Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. And welcome to Hooked On, I'm a Celeb, with me, Fanula J. You're very welcome to this bonus episode. Over the years, we haven't had many Irish contestants on I'm a Celebrity, but one of the few that made headlines and caused a mild meltdown of the internet was Andrew Maxwell. And he joins me now. You're very welcome to Hooked On, I'm a Celeb, Andrew. How did I'm a Celebrity end up coming your way? Well, uh, like an awful lot of things, uh, myself and lots of the other uh, Irish comedians that you would know and love, uh, we all do the Edinburgh Festival every year to uh, the Fringe. And for me, the invitation came through there. I went and had a a meeting with the guys, the producers, two, three years ago. And we had a blast. We we had a a really, it was just, just, we were just sitting around laughing our tits off in an office. And, uh, you know, I thought, why not? But for whatever reason, as is the way with broadcasting, it went away. And then it came back uh, straight after the festival this year. And uh, I was basically, I got a call from my agent at eight in the morning. And if you're not in show business, let me tell you, if your management's calling you before midday, something, somebody's about to die. <laughs> you're in <laughs> you know, trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's not right. So I was like, what's going on here? And they, they went, look, they'd like you to do it. It starts in two weeks time, but they need to know by midday. So, I have a lot I mean, of time to think about the decision <laughs> like that, you know? No, no, no. So obviously it was, uh, I was like, yeah, somebody's dropped out. But, you know, who cares? Who cares? Like, that's that's not what show business is about. Show business is about being the right bond in the right place at the right time. So, yeah, we, myself and my missus and my eldest, who's 19, both of them were like, yeah, you've got to do it, you know? Uh, and I, I work in Australia regularly. Uh, I usually it's usually around sort of January, February time. I I I, I tour in Sydney, but also I've I've gigged around the rest of Oz over the years, and I absolutely love Australia. So, but you know that's always in the city. So the opportunity to go out into the bush or the jungle, as it's called <laughs> in the TV show, you know, it was amazing. It was just it was just too much to turn down. But that's how it came about for me. You're no stranger to reality TV, as we spoke about before we started recording about X on the Beach. You've done the voiceover for that for many years. But at the same time, I feel like some people might have seen you as a bit of an unlikely candidate for the show. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think they try and stick a comedian in, you know, most years. But I would say, you know, you know, the man in the street would know me better in Ireland. And, you know, and then the sort of big international comedy festivals. You know, I, I don't. I don't think the general public in the UK had a, a, a clue at all who I was. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> I didn't care. 
Somebody had, somebody had broken their legs. Somebody had fallen over a horse. <laughs> I don't know. Andrew Maxwell to the rescue. Yeah, man. <laughs> I will. I will be your light entertainment polyfiller. I will, <laughs> I will fill that crack. <laughs> Listen, I don't care how the Brits reacted because when I heard you had signed up, childhood Fanula who adored the panel was weak. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yes. That was the best fantastic. series ever. <laughs> oh, it's such a shame. It's such a shame people in the Republic of Ireland couldn't vote on it. I know. <laughs> I know. But, Those pesky oh, apps. Know. What are you going to do? But uh, but it was my actually. I had I'd obviously X on the beach, or in this case X in the city, is is me in post production. I'm just I'm doing a voiceover. But I have done two reality TV shows prior. I done uh, Celebrity Banished Door. Uh, on RTE. Iconic. Iconic. Uh, apps. I was, I, I had so much fun with me, Maz Village in Fermanagh. But uh, yeah, I was truly terrible. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm a football and rugby fan. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. But look, you just village, love signing up for things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, why not? Like, I mean, that's what show business is about, you know? You've got to, you got to keep mixing it up, you know? I made my theatrical debut at the Edinburgh Festival last year. So, you know, I'd taken up, I'd literally, you know, been thrown it. Like I was doing a one-man play in Edinburgh during the afternoons. You know, I'd never acted before. I had a three weeks course beforehand and then four weeks of acting. And I just literally come out of that. And I had my sort of, you know, my tail was up. I was like, well, I took that challenge on. It seemed to be well received. You know, I was, I was in the, you know, what I'm saying is I was in the zone to take on another challenge. And like I said, I'd, I'd also, I did a show that was on channel four called Kings of Comedy. It was, a re, it was made by Endemol, same people that make Big Brother, Big Brother style house with eight comedians living together with a comedy club on the side. And uh, I won that. So, so I, I knew the sort of, you know, sort of internal mind games you've got to do with yourself to keep your, your pecker up in that situation. So I wasn't too daunted. It was really, to be honest, I was most scared of the size of I'm a Celebrity. It's fucking huge. <laughs> it's like, it's it's three times the population of Ireland. They're watching every single episode. It's A like, cultural juggernaut, like across two countries, pretty much. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's like when you're down there, when, when you get out, when you get out of the jungle and then you've, you're there till the end, stay at the Versace Hotel in Surfer's Paradise. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of nuts. The earlier you get out of the show, the more time you have in a five-star Versace Hotel in Surfer's Paradise. Whereas the three people who are the final, the finalists, they're on the plane the next day. So you were just yeah. delighted to be out. Like you were like, "Give me this know. hotel, give me the luxury, please." I was there. I was there with my wife, our, our then two-year-old. Uh, you know, we had a friend who come over to help us uh, with the little one. You know, we had a blast. And then some other friends came up from Sydney. You know, it was fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's but you know, you just take it on board. You know, give it a go. A year later, do you look at the experience differently or how do you assess your time in the jungle now, given you've had a bit of breathing space to kind of separate yourself from it and kind of decompress? Well, I, I guess 
it, you know, it just seems, I mean, I, I was watching, you know, watching the, uh, the opening episode yesterday. I just couldn't stop thinking to myself, that was, that was 11 months ago. Because it feels like it was five years ago. I mean, it's it's because of everything that's happened in in our world in the interim period. You know, COVID, relentless American election. You know, there's been a lot on. So, you know, and Liverpool, obviously, finally, of re, finally, finally uh, reclaiming our place on our perch as is God's holy law. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It just doesn't, it's, it's more that. It's Fanula, it more just feels like it was years ago. But it, the, when, it, when the music started yesterday, I was like, God, fuck it. All those, the nerves. Because what most people don't know, even people who are really kind of hardcore fans of the show, and they come, by the way, this, I will come back to the question I had. But one of the things that people don't realise is the Versace Hotel where all us are staying, all the campmates who've been evicted and families and whatnot, we're, the rest of the hotel is just open to the general public. And I'm a celebrity, super fans book their holidays to be in the hotel at the same time as ah. us and the production. So you're by the pool. There's no segregated area. You've got the t- British tabloids snap, snapping away at you, popping out from behind fucking palm trees, taking pictures of you. And you're sat by the pool, you and your loved ones, beside uh, Terry and June from Bolton, <laughs> who, who are just there because they're ultra fans. That is insane, and you're just there, like here, leave me alone. I want to do my cannonballs. <laughs> no, I mean you've got to, you got to, you got to be in the zone. You've just got to go with it, you know. God, it's such a dedicated you know, fan base that I think people don't realise because I think there is just a thing of everyone's passively oh, watching and no, no, not I'm a celebrity. Is like you know, as 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 the day because I was second out, but uh, as the days go by and. Uh, you know, everybody who's watched the show will have seen the scene, you know, where you're in the lobby of the Versace and each one comes out and your loved ones greet you and there's a little round of applause. But that builds as the days go on. Mm. With, uh, you know, Gold Coast, Surfers Paradise, it's, it's up in Queensland. It's basically the Spain of Australia. Right. right? So there's a lot of Brits and Irish, but particularly Brits, expats, who've moved there to live and work in the sun. So similar demographic to the Brits that uh, that would uh, an Irish that would be down to Spain. So the, so there's in the lobby there's 500 people. That's just intense. Gathered. Like intense. Yeah, just got just gathered 500 to, and as it builds like you know when the finalists come out and the winner comes out into that you know lobby like it's like a thousand people. It's like it's madness. It's like. It's absolutely madness, but sorry, to come back, so even dedicated fans don't know this. For a week before you enter the jungle, or in this case, the castle now, you were under lockdown, a term that everybody knows now, but people didn't know before, where you're basically, you're sequestered in a hotel room, right? Like as if you're a key witness in a mob trial. Uh, You have a chaperone, like you're a beauty pageant contest winner rather than a middle-aged Irish comedian with a broken <laughs> nose, right? But you, you live, you've got your chaperone lives in the next room to you. You have you, all your electronic devices are taken off you. 
your phone's disabled. You're only allowed, to, you're not allowed to see the news. You're not allowed to know what time it is. And that's how you live for a week before what everybody sees, like what everybody saw yesterday with the celebs in the helicopters or the celebs arriving in luxury cars and doing the abseiling and whatnot. That was a week of just total isolation. I just had myself and my attractive Brazilian lawyer, who was my chaperone. It's just just me and the lawyer. My chaperone. <laughs> so nerve-wracking. Terrifying. Terrifying. That's yeah, because it's so, you know, what you see there, they haven't literally, you know, people are like, you know, loads of people don't even think you live in the jungle. They think it's fake and you're, but you're there. And it's the same with the castle. They'll be right now in a damp castle in North Wales, you know. But there's that, that builds the tension incredibly. You're so, so nervous. So, like, you're shaking like a leaf, you know. And the other thing is that people don't realise is that in that phase of the show, you're blindfolded everywhere you go. So I'm so, nervous even thinking about it, even being in that position. Like, yeah. So, so the guys who, who came in the cars and they, you know, oh, well, we're in a car, whatnot. They will have just had the blindfold taken off them, and out of shot at all times, there is a retired special forces soldier. Like in the jungle, you 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 were there. We're there living in the jungle. Then there's the cameras. And just behind the cameras, because the cameras are built into rocks and grannies and everything, yeah? But just behind them, also living out in the jungle with us, is retired Aussies SAS. They have to be there because there's two killer animals. That are Grand just and nerve-wracking. Grand and well, nerve-wracking. Yeah, the, but there's a brown snake and there's the funnel-web spider. Both of them lethal. I mean, they have the antidote on hand, but like, you still don't want. It. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's still, it's still not good. Definitely not. There's a, there's a reason why St. Patrick drove those <laughs> shoulderless beasts. <laughs> Listen, on top venom. of the fear of the brown snake and everything else, yeah. were you ever worried about how you'd be perceived on the inside? Like, because as you, you've just painted a picture of this really nerve-wracking journey going in, did that ever cross your mind or was it just, was it the creepy crawlies or was it a bit of everything? No, I wasn't really worried about that. Like, if you look at from the tabloid perspective, they'll literally write anything they want about you. So you have zero control over that. Uh, I made a series for BBC Three where I, I travelled around America debunking conspiracy theories with people who were true believers. And I'd always tell them at the start of the record when we got on the bus, you know, it's, you know, if you don't want to, you don't want to look shit, don't be shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't, don't leave your life, in, you don't leave your life in the hand of the editor, right? If you don't want something to go out on t- TV, don't say it. Or don't behave like that, you know. But the thing is, I, I've been on, you know, I've been doing stand-up since I was 17. And then I started doing bits and pieces on telly really not long after that, you know. I, I, I started on uh, working on British telly when I was 20. So uh, that side of it doesn't bother me, you know, stage or screen doesn't bother me, you know. I, I've done that long enough. And I, I also know that, like I said, if they, they want to write you up in a bad way, or, or they can. <laughs> so 
there's there's no point worrying about that. I'm, on I'm that just, then, I feel like I, I was just going to say. Honest, sorry, Fanula. I'll be honest with you. It was for me. It was the wild, creepy crawlies, uh, the brown snake and the funnel web spider, and just uh, missing your family. Like you know, it's that sort of thing. You've already done a week of total radio silence from your loved ones, and I don't. I don't know about you, but that's not how I live. Like I mean, even when I'm on the road, I. Sp- to the, the missus and the kids and you know my mom and, and their family like on a daily basis so it's that's the shit that really gets to you not like ooh shit how will they chop up that scene where three men were trying to get water out of a well <laughs> yeah. once you're in there you've got it you can't you can't put that stuff into your mind because it's pointless like you've no power over it so you might as well just enjoy the experience and try and hold your shit together because you won't. You won't succeed in keeping your shit together because <laughs> you're starving and sleeping in a, in a jungle <laughs> for weeks on end. Your, your, your noggin will fall out the side of your head at some point. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The big talking point, I think, from your time in the jungle was your relationship with Ian Wright. Yeah, what were right. your initial thoughts of him before heading into the jungle and meeting him in the flesh? Oh, I think it's, that's the thing. I already knew Wright. I already knew Ian. I don't, you know, I'd worked with Ian on, on various bits and pieces over the years. I knew Ian and I've, we've got a really good mutual buddy. Uh, uh, Ian Stone who's a very funny comic but also a massive massive gooner Arsenal fan and had Ian uh, the two Ians that actually worked a lot together and that's sort of how I knew Ian right and and I always got on great with Ian one of Ian's best mates is from Dublin Uh, so like Ian spends loads of time in Ireland and uh, and you know I used to live part of North London he's from I, I lived it you know I'd lived you know I'd, I'd been up around lived up and around Arsenal for a very long time although when I say that Ian's actually from South East London but you get the idea so you know we got on like house on fire and like to be honest for the first you know week me in Big Jim Haskell like I mean it was just a lot of just nonsense banter and just dicking around like you know the tra- you know the the traveling life of sports people is very similar to traveling life of of entertainers right there's an awful lot of hurry up and wait there's a lot of just filling in the blanks with ridiculous conversations 
But then, but me and Ian are very similar men. We're family men. We're like, we're homebodies. We're family men. And, you know, say you turn that corner, the first week kind of flies because you're so, everything's so new. But you get into that middle week and it occurs to you, you're, you're far from home, but you're nowhere near the end either. Right, you're, you, you know what I mean. It just starts to get to you, and you're, you are like I cannot emphasize, you're starving. <laughs> they keep you just above starvation level. Six hundred calories a day is what the rice and beans and the odd bits and pieces you're getting into you, is all you're getting. And most people go through about two and a half thousand calories a day. You know, so and then you know athletes and whatnot, like you know Haskell would normally be on four thousand calories a day. He was on 600. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, that sort of stuff just eventually gets to you, you know. And it, me and Ian, me and Ian just his emotional, <laughs> the emotional, starving, tired, you know, missing our family's wall at the same time. Just simple as that. You were just a victim of circumstance and just very hungry and very tired. Yeah, well, I don't think we, none of us were victims. You know, we're, you know I mean, that's a really wide purview over the word victim. <laughs> I mean, you know, we are being treated, you know, we're, we're being challenged, but other than that, being treated like Lord Muck in the, in a jungle, you know. So, yeah, it's just, you know, it's inevitable. I mean, that's the the way it's set up. That's the whole challenge of the game. It's not only the... I, I think when you're watching at home, like any other series I've ever watched over the years, you always think that the trials are the most scary and challenging part. But a week in, Vanilla, like when your name gets called, you're skipping out of the camp, even though you're heading towards, you know, fighting a snake. You just don't care. You're just like, that, yay, I'm going to do something. You know, I mean, the boredom, like, it's very hard to talk about boredom because almost nobody in the modern world's ever bored. Like, you're way younger than me. So, but like, there was the existential boredom of being a teenager in Ireland in the 80s, in the three summer months, you know, <laughs> three month long. So, you <laughs> went on so long, you literally forgot how to hold a pen. You couldn't write. <laughs> You know, there were days where you're just so bored, right? But even that was nothing compared to in the jungle because you're denied all stimulus. You know, you wake up at dawn, you go sleep at sunset. If your name doesn't get called for uh, uh, a challenge or a trial, you're just there. And then, you know, tasks start to get allocated and sometimes, you know, your task is nothing. Like, it's going to take 20 minutes in a day where you're going to be awake for 18 to 20 hours, you know, <laughs> on high alert from snakes. One day, uh, you you had to stay in the camp in twos. You couldn't, it was just one of the reels. And somebody had gone to sleep, so I had to stay with them. So I was just in the camp, and I decided to count all the trees. <laughs> and it, it took it took several hours, but I counted exactly 500 trees. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's that level. That's where you're at. Like, you're just, it's beyond bickering with people. You've just absolutely lost your mind. Just simmering levels of madness. Was that boredom what led you to refusing to do the dishes that night that sent the internet into meltdown? Or what <laughs> happened there? 
No, I was just, I had won, I'd come back and they got me up extra early. Now, again, one of those things of most of the trials and challenges happen in the morning, right? You, uh, Ant and Deck come in and go, all right, da-da-da, person A, person B, or just person A, you're going off to do the trial. That's at eight or nine in the morning, right? But if you then get picked, you are filming the trial through the hottest part of the day to like, you know, it's Queensland in the summer. And it, you know, it's 40 degrees. Like you're actually covered when you're in the camp. You've, there is an awning and then there's the trees, but out in the open part where you do the trials, you were standing around for a couple of hours in 40 degrees of heat. Like, and I'd, I'd managed to get 10 out of 12 stars. We were all going to eat handsomely. And I just needed a nap. I was just, I had heat stroke. That was it. Like, you know. Your brain was melted. Yeah, Caitlin didn't care. <laughs> nobody, nobody cared. It just looked like I was like, oh, I'm going for a nap. And that's that's where I was at. I thought, like, my job's done here. We we are going to eat like kings on ten stars, people. But I uh, I have heat stroke. <laughs> I need to lie down. <laughs> Forty degrees, you know. And it's also for nobody's been to Oz and what they in anybody's watching this or listening to this, I should say, in Ireland, you know, your idea if your idea of a really hot day is Spain, Portugal, the Algarve. The Southern Hemisphere, like Australian sun is no joke. It's way more intense. Like my head was fried. <laughs> you know? So that was it. But, you know, again, it's not something like don't do a show like that. If you're if you're not game for odds and sods being chopped up and a, a narrative of the day being made, like just, you know. I True. Mean, so as was, you said, Caitlyn Jenner didn't care, so it was fine. That's how I like to base my life on. Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner doesn't yeah. care. Why should yeah. I care? Yeah, me and Kate, me and Caitlyn spent days on end uh, cleaning dishes in a muddy creek, discussing all sorts: God, horses, <laughs> golf, uh, private aviation, uh, American politics. All of my favorite things. Would you believe? <laughs> I would. Mm-hmm. I would. You've just, we've mentioned about righty and you've explained the prior friendship and the fact that both of your heads were just melted and everyone was hungry, fights happened, whatever else. I can yeah. imagine what you made of the bullying claims that some people made on social media at the time because of the fights that happened, especially now. Like, what's your opinion on them? Well, you know, it wasn't bullying. Do you know what I mean? I mean, the thing is, everybody was in the same, it was all in the same boat. So at that stage, you know, everybody's knackered, everybody's hungry, everybody's homesick. You, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, uh, Ian's reaction, I could I could get it. I was in the same boat as him. Like, it was nothing, you know, simple as, you know. And it's also like a, a lot of people really struggle to sleep in there. A jungle is noisy. <laughs> You know, and we had massive fruit bats just swooping over our heads all oh, night. Oh, God, like, no. They're, they're, totally, they're totally harmless, but like, you know what I mean? I know, but I even mean, the noise in itself would, I wouldn't do well with now. Yeah, 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 there is, there's a real sort of swooshing of their 
<laughs> you know, but like, you know, so then I certainly didn't see it like that. You know, I didn't see this bully. You know, have I, you been I in touch saw, since? I, yeah, because obviously we all hung out after we got out. We we're all, you know, we we're all by the pool in the Versace. And it was a good thing that me and Ian got on well because the whole time my missus and Ian's missus and our daughters had been hanging out by the poolside <laughs> <laughs> Watch, watching it all. So, no, like, it was, it was all good. Like, I mean, it's not like it was coming from a, where the hell is that coming? You know what I mean? Yeah. Where's that come from? I know where it come from. The guy's knackered, hungry and homesick, just like me. Like, so there's nothing there, like. Can you pinpoint anything that you learned from your experience in the jungle? Yeah, I guess it's it's such a weird thing to say, but I remember just one day I was down by the creek, just thinking, "Well, Jesus, like, what if what if the whole business stopped? What would I do? How would I react?" Because you know. My, like I said, I've been doing stand-up and been on the road and been on telly and radio and whatnot since I was 19, 17, I should say. Um, and it's a, it's a life of constant stimulation. It's a go, go, go working life. And, it, you know, just having those times of just literally, you know, it's like being on a sort of a billionaire to see, needs to get his head together. He's going to his luxury jungle <laughs> to think things through. But, I, you know, I did think, what would happen if the whole business stopped? This is what it would be like. Uh, would I, how would I take it? And, I, you know, it, it's weird, you know, obviously, you know, it was totally coincidental and whatnot, but, like, it was extraordinary that, you know, as as our last... 11 months since then has transpired. It's like those sort of quiet times of sort of really kind of contemplate what I want to do with my life. And, you know, in the jungle has really paid dividends through this whole lockdown and this craziness. And, you know, my, my work diary basically being torn up and whatnot. And Irish tours being postponed, English tours being cancelled, altitude being cancelled, you know, Edinburgh being cancelled. You know, I got I got to appreciate the stillness, you know. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It, everything's going to come back, but I think I I genuinely think Fanula, I panicked a lot less about what was happening to my career and everybody, you know, and whatnot and my whole business through COVID because of that time, that just downtime in the jungle to really think about things. And with that in mind, I suppose, what's 2021 looking like in terms of projects and gigs and and work? Well, uh, to be honest, at the moment, uh, I'm still still doing gigs through Zoom. I'm doing my next Zoom show is Friday the 27th. That's uh, with nextupcomedy.com. All the details are on my socials on Twitter and Instagram and, and Facebook and whatnot nextupcomedy.com. So I'm still doing those. Uh, we're halfway through recording the uh, the new spin-off, COVID spin-off of X on the Beach called X in the City. And, you know, I have the UK tour has been moved from spring of this year to spring next year. Hopefully we'll bring Altitude back. You know, I'll get to finish the Irish tour. And then hopefully, you know, but everything will... 
everything looks like it's coming back to normal, you know. And in the meantime, I've taken some time uh, to uh, to write a book. So that's what I've been I've been doing that as well. Like I, I've no idea whether it's any good, uh, but it's one again one of those things. I just through the planes, trains, and automobiles of being a touring entertainer, I just wouldn't have got around to it, you know. Andrew Maxwell, it has been a pleasure to speak to you about your experience. I wish you the very best of luck with everything for the rest of 2020 <laughs> and beyond. Well, what I would say to you all, my friends, is eat. <laughs> eat everything you want. Just remember how lucky you are to have food, not have to wrestle a snake for your dinner. <laughs> incredibly, incredibly sound advice from Andrew Maxwell there. Thank you so much for joining us on Hooked On. I'm Celeb. Much appreciated. Thanks, buddy. Coming soon, we'll have another ex-contestant on the podcast. No, it won't be Andrew's pally and right, but another soccer legend, Neil Razorudduck. We had so much fun. Definitely a chat worth listening to. And obviously, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of our deep dives into I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. From me, Fanula J, I'll talk to you on tomorrow's Hooked On, I'm a Celeb. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.